If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Our chat today is again with Kerry Thomas. Now, Kerry's given this a series of herd dynamic profiling. And if you're not sure what herd dynamic profiling is, because I wasn't either, go back and listen to Kerry's first episode. Really brilliant, you know. I mean, he's done a lot of research into horses and their psychological research and the herd dynamics and the equine communication and, you know, going through, you know, he does a lot of racing, but all equine disciplines. So secrets to motivating equine athletes. You know, if you like that and you want to find out more about your horses, your personality, if you're buying horses, if you're breeding horses, I think it's just a really, really interesting topic. Anyway, today we're going to look about emotional stress and how it affects physical performance. And I sort of, you know, a lot of the topics he says, it makes so much sense because we talk about human athletes and their emotions and that affecting performance, we, we don't consider the horses. And of course, it's very important. But before we get started, I'd just like to remind you about the mission at International Horse College, which is to provide the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers. I should say to improve the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers. Have a look at the wide variety of equine courses on internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation, 31352. Now, Kerry, are you there today? I am, and thanks for having me again. Oh, thanks for coming on, Kerry. I think this is an interesting topic that no one else seems to be talking about, and I know that you founded, you know, THT Bloodstock. We want to get into this herd dynamic profiling Tell us about, you know, because as I said, we think about it with human performance. It's something that's going to have influence with horses. The stress and influence on horse athletes, equine athletes, that's your primary consideration. Is that right? Or I should say among your primary considerations. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, but certainly one of the most important factors and, and considerations that you that we have and I think that really should have when you're evaluating horses, considering horses, because... You know, any athlete that can be affected by their emotions uh, can have their potential affected, you know, by by proxy. And it's very, very important to understand, you know, how your horse is uh, dealing with stress and how, how that's affecting them. So it's very important. I mean, it's, you know, you're an athlete, and whether you're a human athlete or, or a horse athlete or you're a percent human combination athlete, you know, your emotional stress can have a great impact on your, your uh, ability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, when you go out, you know, because you're, you're doing research and you've been doing research for quite a few years. Like how many years is it, Kerry? Uh, you know, I, I, I cut my teeth. I'll, I'll just say I'm going to age myself here, but I, I cut my teeth uh, a long time ago. Let's just say that. <laughs> a long time ago. I've been focused on this for for a better part of, uh, gosh, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. You go out and you study horses in their natural environment, you know, in your field studies. Do horses in this environment share stress collectively or is it like entirely individual experience for the horses? Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing about horses in a natural environment is, is you know, as a herd animal, 
they come equipped with some naturally occurring codependencies. You know, they kind of fit together like a fabric, like, like a chain link fence, and they're they're able to share many things. And, and part of that, what they share collectively, is is stress. And if one horse can't, if one horse is experiencing some form of stress, um, then the horse the shoulder the load if they can't figure it out for themselves. And this this is by nature helps the herd survive. You know, it helps the individual survive within the herd atmosphere. So it's very it's very effective and it's very natural for horses to, if you will, offload some of this emotional stress that they experience in the environment, uh, one to the other. So there's got to be a difference then between stress that's collectively distributed it's got to be different to that that's individually processed. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, stress that's collectively distributed is, is very different because, you know, again, you go back to uh, shouldering a load with the other horses, you know, and, and stress that affects the horse individually, uh, you're going to isolate that horse and you can cause a lot of anxiety and uh, things of that nature. But collectively, it's much more easy for horses, even horses on the phone pole, to get through danger and get through high-stress situations as a herd when they can share this collective stress. It's very, very important to keep that in mind because it, it affects a whole herd structure and it affects herd movement. You know, So if you have a, a high-level horse or a low-level low horse, they can both be absorbed by the herd environment in a safe manner. And it helps keep them safe. You know, it helps keep them safe from predators and from other dangers of the environment. So I know you work with different horses in different disciplines. So did the different disciplines themselves manifest different types of emotional stress? Does that change from like a show jumper to a race horse to a dressage horse to a, an endurance horse? How does that change or does it change? It, it, does, it does change for sure. And I kind of look at it in two different ways. I, I look at there's performance stress and there's competitive stress. And, and I kind of separate those two things because each, each discipline, if you will, presents a different form of emotional stresses because of the, of the demands of this. Okay, so if we think of performance stress, what's some of the basic characteristics then of the performance stress? How can we, as horse owners, riders, competitors, how can we um, recognise that the horse has got performance stress? Performance stress to me, from how I, I identify it, is you know anything the horse is doing, doing as a singular Thing. Like it's, it's it's not competing with other horses. It's it's competing. It's, it's it's a singular task. You know they're being they're being coached and trained to jump, to you know they're they're going against the clock. They're doing maneuvers and performance classes are all associated with a singular type of thing that the horse has to learn. And they and they can adapt very well, you know, through repetition to these because they they assimilate so well for the most part. And so performance classes can can be accomplished and, and managed easier than competitive stresses. But for performance stresses are, are basically, if you think of anything the horse is doing as an individual you know, by themselves and their rider, of course, but as an individual uh, separated from other horses, and that is performing. They are performing a task, and they don't have they, they have only themselves and the environment to worry about, and how they're how they themselves are going through the environment. That's performance, you know, so that's how I separate performance stress from, from the other parts. So what's the competitive stress then? Is that stemming from the environment that might involve more than one horse? Yeah, one, once the transition from 
performance to competition uh, kicks in, any number can, can bombard the horse because now, you know, competitive stress is the competition against other horses, one or more horses. And, you know, we look at this in, in racing, especially, you know, the big difference between horses, uh, I'll, I'll just use service as an example. And then let's just say you're looking at a two-year-old training, you know, a breeze up sale. And this horse has been taught and coached to perform this task. And that's not always, they may, they may perform the task very, very well. Uh, they can learn to do, go through the hoops and, and do what they need to do to, to have a fast speed and look, look pretty good doing it. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the ability to handle competitive stress. And competitive stress is now you're not just worrying about what you're doing. You're worrying about what you're doing in relation to what other horses are also doing. And rapid changes, you know, oftentimes you're in a, in a crowd over, you know, a distance and there's a lot of chaos going on. And so competitive stress is different in its body. You know, there's a lot of different things, a, a cacophony, if you will, of stimulus bombarding the horse. And that's a whole different ballgame. And you can take a horse that can perform extremely well and they can kind of shy and kind of melt into oblivion when it comes to has to be going into competition. So it's a big, big difference. All right. So this, you know, horses managing stress, does um, like time, duration, is that going to change or does it have any role at all in how the horse manages stress? Yeah, it does actually. You know, time, time slash duration or, or is a major factor because if you think about stress you know, with the horse, I was kind of liken it to you have a balloon and stress is air going into that balloon. And it is sometimes that stress builds up and the pressure will kind of overcome, you know, over, overcome your performance and it needs to be released in some manner. And the longer you're asked to do something, you know, the more stress can build up. If you're not processing stress properly, it is going to build up over time and it's going to compromise competitive. You know, so time has a big effect on performance as well as competition because, you know, the duration that it can build up inside. If you can't deal with it, for example, I would say if you ha- if you expect your horse to, I don't know, say run a mile and finish the race at a mile, well, you want to make sure that the psychology can go further than that. And you want to make sure the psyche can handle the time it takes to achieve that and the speed you need a horse to, plus extra. Because you don't want to, you don't want to run out of emotional stamina and your mental stamina. And if you're if you're show jumping or if you're dressaging, you got know, you got to figure how much time of focus and concentration is my horse capable of performing this task? Because you may do really well for uh, I don't know, just throw a number out there, thirty five to forty seconds to a minute. And when you get beyond that, this is when if emotional stress is not being processed properly, the time will begin to be your end. And it will have a, a big effect on the horse reaching their potential. Or, you know, you, you hit a training plateau. You're good for a little while, but you can handle it, you know, pad down to a certain point. And a part of the reason can certainly be because of the emotional stress that's building up inside the horse. Mm, that certainly makes sense. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, 
if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. You research quite a lot, you write quite a lot. Your recent paper, you've described emotional stress as an ultimate chameleon. Breaking it down during the evaluation process, how do you do that? You know, I, I look at it, I look at it in, in three different ways. I, I break it into stress, the emotional stress that's coming from the physical force, you know, be it some sort of injury or, or some kind of strain, something like that. That's one type of stress. The other type of stress we're looking for is, is the environment. Things that are happening in the environment, is that affecting the horse, you know, emotionally? Is that is the horse being stressed out by different things that are going on? You know, how well is it interpreting and processing the environment that it's in, whether it's moving or standing still. You know, and then the other part of this is, is, is a very kind of a ghostly part of the stress, and that, that is what I term associative stress. And this is stress that comes from something that happened to the horse or an experience uh, that's not in the immediate environment, but something that is associated with it. So it could be something, you could have a, a two-year-old horse that we're evaluating, and, you know, I hear all that the horse sometimes you know, reacts to ghosts. Well, it's not reacting to ghosts. It is reacting to maybe ghostly memories of something that happened to the horse. So these these are very deep-seated set, um, types of stresses inside the horse that they're reacting to, you know, with the associative area. So those three are really the key things that we begin to look for or any or are there any signs of these things taking place. Okay. Now, how important is it then to determine how a particular horse is dealing with the stresses they experience? It's actually very important because you know, how a horse is dealing with stress is extremely influential on their ability to reach their potential. There's a big difference in preparation and execution. You can be prepared to the ITs and be and things are ready, or think you have your horse ready. Um, but when it comes to execution, that sometimes that pressure of the reality of what's going on, you know, a lot of horses have, have a difficulty with that. And so it's very, very important to, to identify these factors because you need to know how is your horse uh, or your prospect. Preferably, you get this information before you invest in your horse. Uh, how is the horse handling this? And how it, how is it affecting them? I mean, stress is going to be there. There's, there's stress is, is something that we all, any living thing is going to deal with to some degree, uh, um, it's brilliant how any of us manage it, deal with it, and how we reflect it and how it affects us. So, you know, it's very important to know, is is, is your horse, you know, affecting their environment or are they being affected by their environment? You know, so that's a big difference because when push comes to show, and especially in competition, if you're competing against your peers, you want to know which which way this tendency is going to be under the duration and the stress, and if you're a horse that's being asked to perform, you know, tasks, you're going over jumps against the clock, you're, you're in dressage, um, you're, you're going across country, you know, you're doing some eventing, you need to know how your horse is, is going to handle 
the different types of stresses that they're going to encounter. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense, that's for sure. And I talk about horse owners, you know, I talk about our listeners are horse owners or people who are having regular dealings with horses, but I actually get emails from people saying, I'm retired, I used to, I used to have a farm, I used to have a lot of horses, but, you know, I'm a bit old now, but I really enjoy listening to the podcasts. And other people who don't currently have anything to do with horses, not in their regular daily lives, but have had in the past and want to in the future, so they enjoy listening to the podcast. But if I just think that generally as horse owners or people with an interest of horses, sometimes we find ourselves dealing with a horse that's got vices. Right, especially if they're stalled or stabled or confined, are these vices an expression of emotional stress? How do you deal with that? What's your thoughts on that? You know, to to me, I I always look at vices as something that's really perspective of of a horse living in our domesticated environment. Because we we and the horse, I mean, the horse does a wonderful job of assimilation. They they adapt very well, and we can take that for granted. We we, we can take we think is a a simple-minded horse for granted, when in reality, there could be a lot of anxieties going on inside the horse, and you know, they're good with us. When left to their own devices in the stall, you may see all kinds of uh, interesting erratic behaviors that look to be, you know, uh, like, what's this horse doing? And, you know, in my opinion, uh, a large majority, if not all, of these physical expressions and these vices, whether it's cribbing, whether it's stall walking, it's just to various degrees, it is coming from the psychology. It, it, it is, it, it, they're, they're trying to find harmony, you know, where, where they uh, trying to express themselves and trying to find harmony, trying, trying to sucker the emotional gap, if you will, that they have in there. And, and you know, the bottom line is, not all, you know, if, if I look at it this way, the devices and, you know, stress is not going to be erased and anxiety is not going to be erased. And it is our responsibility as horse caregivers and, and horse owners and as human beings, you know, caring for these horses to, to provide for them everything that they need, not just the physical standpoint, but from the emotional you know, standpoint. And for me, these vices are, you kind of have to pick your poison. You know, it, it, and my motto is, if it's not getting in the horse's way, for what you're asking them to do, and, and don't put it in your way. Sometimes you have to straight up balance because, you know, I chew my fingernails sometimes, and so I, I guess that's how I soothe myself if I'm having a little bit of anxiety. You know, sometimes you just kind of have to pick your poison and say, well, all right, I'll let you. I don't like to see you stall walking, uh, but you know, maybe you're doing. You know, if I if I can't figure out the, the, the real reason why you're doing it, putting a bandaid on something is not going to help. It's going to make things worse. So, you know, vices, I feel, are, are deep rooted in the psychology and and let you blend deep to, to kind of get to the root of the problem. Sometimes uh, you can just find yourself fighting an uphill battle and trying to make them stop it. Yeah, yeah. Everything you do, I'm sort of sometimes thinking, well, that makes sense and um, comparing it to humans, you know, because there's so much research done with humans and as far as I know, you're the other one doing such in-depth research with horses. But when we think, you know, about human health, physical health, we often hear in our world that emotional wellness helps lead to physical health and well-being or physical health and healing. How impactful then can emotional stress be on the physical horse? 
You know, it's very influential. You know, I, I was, my saying is emotional stress and physical health are the peas and carrots of athletic longevity, you know, and, and well-being. Yeah, because if, if it can affect, you know, if it can affect the operating system, it's going to affect the machine. And so, you know, it's a, it's a big difference between a horse that has uh, natural fluency and, and physical fluency. You know, I always say, too, if you want a, a supple horse, in a supple mind. The two things work very you know, together. And if you have the emotional stress and you have anxiety, and then you're asking the horse to do physical tasks, and they're not, you know, they're not going to be moving freely. There's going to be some stiffness. There's going to be, um, you know, a physical attrition coming from that psyche. So it's very, very important to physical health and physical well-being. And, and you know, for a horse, even during convalescence, it's very important to have emotional well-being to give yourself a better chance to, to physically heal. Yeah. Yeah, it all makes sense. I mean, clearly there's a great deal of depth in this topic. Um, if you were just going to summarise your thoughts regarding the influence that emotional stress can have, what would you say there, just as a summary? You know, I, I always say, really, the bottom line is, you know, emotional stress is so powerful on everything that is the horse in, in their daily lives, in their training, in their, in their actual performing or their actual competition. You know, it's it's just so important to, to not overlook the influence that this has and that this is going to have. Uh, I I just think you know you're looking at it, uh, horses are driven you know by emotion and for me, true horsemanship is really an act of recognizing natural instinct and emotionally connecting to that. You know, to me that that's what it's all about. And it's because horsemanship is not something you see; it's something you feel. And to, to look at your, to look at a horse, look at a prospect, and, and to consider your horse that you're either ready to buy or that you're dealing with every day, or you're trying to train every day. You know, the psychology runs the machine, and and, and emotions are all part of that. That, that. that that's part of that. As we said in our last show, uh, the jigsaw puzzle. You know, the, of, of the psyche that operates the machine. So. In summary, it's one of the most important factors that has a great influence on a horse's ability to reach their full potential and really should be at the primary um, focus. Because another thing I, I like to always point out to that we always do, you know, when we're looking at horses is that you, you always want to keep in mind that you should uh, cross-reference, you know, cross-check the psychological strengths and weaknesses with the physical strengths strength and weaknesses, you know, in the... Uh, physical confirmation because you know what areas are weak and strong are going to affect the uh, opposing areas in the physical in, in the physical horse. So these are all things that play such an important role. Mm. Kerry, um, you know we want to talk about how to get in touch, which is always, of course, on your um, contact details. But we'll talk about that. I just wanted to beforehand the Kentucky Derby's up coming up, isn't it? And you analyze some horses within that, because um, you've been doing it for quite a few years, just to analyze those horses, um, just determining stress management. Just quickly, you know, just tell us a little bit about the, you know, the stress management, how that's a key factor in um, and the horses that you're profiling leading into the Kentucky Derby. You know, this, like I said, this is going to be our 10th year evaluating the, the horses for the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, we, we do this through video. Uh, primarily in, in evaluating performances in you know, the horses' previous races that, that we have available. And, you know, one of the most important things that we're looking for 
in identifying is how are these horses, you know, the stress uh, from in, in their races, you know, and, and breaking this down into different points of the races, how are they handling the competitive nature of the other horses? Um, you know, so it get, tells you a really big picture of the probability of success over a, with our, our Kentucky Derby here is a mile court. And you know, they always say the fastest two minutes, <laughs> you know, they always talk about the fastest two minutes. Um, but we're looking for horses, and when we're picking out the hierarchy of, of what we uh, perceive to be the top horses and how they're going to finish, and we've done a very good job over the next nine years of doing that, you know, we're, I'm looking for basically mental stamina because, you know, you know, a versatile mind, you know, versatility is psychological. So, uh, and, and adaptability is psychological. And things that, that we talk about, like grit and heart and all those things, that's not a physical trait. That is a psychological trait. And so it, how that manifests is all uh, hinged upon how well these horses are handling the stresses of the environment in the moment and, you know, how long they can go before their balloon gets too full and they start to break down. Okay, okay. Kerry, clearly we need to get you back and talk a bit more about the herd dynamic profiling, but if people would like to contact you, and those details will be on horsechats.com, you can search for Kerry, probably the easiest, or search for Thomas. But Kerry, if they want to contact you direct, what's the best way? Is it to go to thtbloodstock.com? Yeah, they have a website, thtbloodstock.com, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Thomas Herding. And also we have a, a company Facebook page. And you can just email, you can find me on Facebook as well, all through the social media. Yeah, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or, or thoughts or something going on with your horse. And, uh, hey, thanks for having me on again, Glenn. I really do appreciate it. Not a problem, Kerry, and appreciate your time coming on and um, giving us your expertise about this. So hopefully we'll catch up again soon with some more information about herd dynamic profiling. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 